0: Hello and welcome to the Professional Horror Podcast, the only podcast that's coming from inside your house. I repeat, the podcast is from inside your house. I am your host, Chris Donovan, and I am once again joined by my guest, Carrie Drake Coyle. How are you doing, Carrie?
1: I am fantastic, Chris. How
0: are you? I am swell because I've gone from dope to swell. Because
1: we're not doing dope anymore. <laughs> so,
0: if you guys listened to our last episode, and if you didn't, pff, why didn't you? Come on. It was great. I mean, that guy, Chris, can really edit audio stuff, can he? Whew, it's great.
1: Yep. Can
0: confirm. We talked about Pet Cemetery. A book-to-movie adaptation from the Stephen King novel, Obv. And we're going to talk about, this week, our top 10 favorite book-to-movie adaptations of horror movies, basically. We've each come up with a list of five. We're going to go back and forth with our picks. I tried to avoid some of the more popular ones. Just because you know, let's you know, you guys know about some of those movies. Let's talk about get a l- tiny little cut deeper. I didn't go too obscure either, but you know, let's, let's have some fun with this stuff, right?
1: All right, let's do it.
0: So, Carrie, guests go first on the professional horror podcast. So hit right. me with your number five.
1: Number five, well, if you were listening to the last podcast I was on, you already know this one. Uh, I actually, I cheated a little bit, and I put Carrie, the 1976 version, and The Shining, the 1980 version, together in my number five spot as my fifth favorite book adaptations, mostly because I have the same praise and issues for both of these movies. They are solidly excellent horror films, and by themselves, they're amazing classics, but they are not, by any means... Faithful adaptations of Stephen King's work. I would actually consider these both to be completely separate entities from the books themselves again great movies fantastic love them so much but they are totally not the books at all so mm-hmm. that is why i have them at the number five slot
0: solid yeah carrie it's hard to get because isn't carrie like all in like die and like recalling to a police officer yeah. and stuff yeah, carrie it's is hard to get that
1: it's hard because carrie honestly if it was going to be made exactly like the book was it would have to be all in flashes or flashbacks i mean because it's all taking place during a court scene and the other cool thing About, like, you know, the difference between the movie and the book is the fact that in the book, they acknowledge the fact that the entire town experienced a telekinesis episode because that's how strong Carrie's power is
0: yeah it's i know that they did that in carrie the musical which i've was performed at my university my alma mater no, there
1: was a musical <laughs>
0: oh, awesome. it's, it's pretty decent i mean it was a it was a broadway flop okay. but it's starting to get revival now the whole thing's on like spotify and youtube I'm
1: you find it
0: they're actually riverdale the tv show is actually doing a carrie the musical tv episode interesting yes it's kind of cool one of the songs that the mother does when there's no one it's like i didn't think i could feel sympathy for that character yeah well have you read
1: the book, that song
0: good yeah i've read the book
1: okay yeah yeah that is hard because they do give a little bit of insight into the mother's background in the book and you do feel a little bit of sympathy for her but at the same time just like you joined a cult <laughs> so... yeah basically
0: but in the musical her solo when there's no one that's like clutching at the heartstrings kind Kind of a song, it's really good,
1: okay. I'll and
0: yeah, and The Shining, you guys who listen to my episode with our mutual friend Megan Pendergast know yeah. I have conflicting feelings about The Shining movie.
1: Ditto, me too, but it's that's kind like, of how I feel about all of Kubrick's films. So, I love him and I hate him.
0: Yeah, I think the movies are great. But what I don't like is that it's not like the book. But also, I'm not the biggest fan of the book. So, it's a weird kind of dichotomy thing. It's
1: a love-hate relationship. It's a
0: love-hate relationship with The Shining. Yes. For sure.
1: Yes. So but solid that,
0: picks, definitely. Uh, All
1: right. So, yeah. you're number five then.
0: My number five is a book-to-movie adaptation that is very, very recent as at the time of recording. The Ritual, which is a book written by Adam Neville. And it is about four guys going into the woods on a hike as like a bro trip kind of thing. And they find something in the woods with them. I think the movie actually is better than the book because the book is broken into two halves one half is the the guys in the woods with a monster chasing them basically okay and the second half I don't like the second half that much but if you want to call this book the ritual Mm -hmm. you can't not have the second part where there is the cult that does the ritual
1: Ah, gotcha.
0: but the second half of the book just Mm -hmm. digs way too deep and takes like like way too much time with this cult and all their shenanigans and all their personalities and what they do. And I feel like their cult's also weirdly modern, like to listen to like screamo and stuff. Oh, it's weird. okay. But the first half of the book I think is beautiful. It's like really intense action in the woods and the movie is more the first half than the second half the movie like the first two thirds is the first half of the book and then the last third is the second half but it's more the good stuff the second half like the monster design of the ritual (sighs) That's good. That's a spicy meatball of a monster in there.
1: That's a spicy meatball.
0: That's a spicy meatball because it's it's huge. It's like this 10-foot tall monster. It's practical effects. Oh, Oh,
1: I love practical effects.
0: It's really... I would highly recommend The Ritual because I think it is a rare example of a movie surpassing the book. It cuts out the filler and it's just like, here are four guys struggling with their relationship together and it adds depth to their relationship to you would think the book has more depth of their relationship but the movie actually does that's interesting. really good stuff
1: i'm actually you sold me i'm gonna go have to watch this now
0: definitely i would i think it's really fun so the ritual <laughs> on netflix right now my number five pick Woo! bam all right all right carrie number four hit me with it
1: all right so so my actual number four is a little different. My favorite, I think, is I Am Legend, the 2007 version with Will Smith. My only caveat to this is it has to be the original ending, not the theatrical ending. And for people who are not aware of what the difference is between the two, I'll, I'll explain the book a little bit. So the book is from like the 1950s, and it was made into a series of movies beforehand. So there's like actually, I think, four movies that they made this book into, like a whole I'm thing. Sure. What? I'm
0: pretty sure Charlton Heston is the lead in he's one a, of them.
1: Yep, he's the lead in one of them. Which, honestly, I, I've never seen those, but I hear they're really good. The book itself is, I think, brilliant. It's a little slow-moving at times, but it's a really cool concept. The reason that I like the 2007 version so much is because they modernized it, and the original ending keeps the ending, or the rather central theme, of the book. So in the book, to give everyone like a quick rundown, the whole point of the I Am Legend thing is what the main character realizes he is now. He is pretty much the legend to this new society of vampires rising now that vampires used to be to human society because he killed so many of them. And in the original ending of the Will Smith movie in 2007, he has that same re- like realization. And it makes sense if you keep that ending because throughout the movie, there are hints that these vampires are sentient, that they have feelings and emotions and relationships with each other and that he is literally just murdering sentient beings. So it makes a ton more sense for him to have that reaction at the end where if you haven't seen the original ending please go see it it's on YouTube it's fantastic it just didn't test well with audiences apparently so they put this happy bullshit ending in there instead which is terrible yeah, I
0: hate I hate that stuff because you're, so- you're right similar to the ritual where I, you can't cut out the second half of the ritual because that's where the actual ritual happens in I Am Legend the ending is why it's called I Am Legend
1: exactly the because ending- he
0: is the legend of their society
1: exactly When he realizes that he actually doesn't even belong in that kind of society anymore, he allows himself in the book to be executed. And he's like, well, I can't even argue with what you guys are like claiming I did, because I did it. I killed hundreds of you. I'm a murderer like you should execute me because I am the legendary monster in your society now. And that's exactly what the original ending of the book ties together from the very start. Yep. So without that thing at the very end, like there's hints all over that movie of these are sentient beings, they have relationships and families and you are murdering them. There's hints all throughout the movie that just disappear almost in the last 2 minutes of the film because there's nothing yep. to tie them together. So, yeah, ah, definitely it's so frustrating.
0: <laughs> in the ending the hollywood ending of i am legend it's like why is it called i am legend i don't know because will smith's dope
1: yeah pretty much there's, cool. there's no reason. He's, he's
0: legendary
1: he's legendary guys he's from the west that's why west philadelphia born and raised, born
0: and raised. It's, it's, ugh, it hurts me
1: it really is painful because it was so close to being a fantastic movie and yeah. a fantastic rendition of the book Even though they modernized it and changed so much of it. Like they still kept that central theme and it was great.
0: Especially when they sold it at the DVD as the ending too shocking for theaters. I'm like shocking as in the
1: actual ending,
0: (laughs) as in like the actual ending, what it's intended to be. And then people were like, that's boring. And then so they're like, all right, grenade explosion.
1: Yeah. Screw test audiences. Yep. All right, those are my thoughts on I Am Legend. Go see it; it's fantastic. Watch the original. Yes. There. All right, what's your number four pick?
0: My number four pick is the 1991, technically film Candyman, so or 1992, fun. excuse me, 1992 film Candyman. Fun fact: When this movie made its debut at the Toronto Film Festival, it was a day before Yours Truly was born. This made this its debut. At,
1: about your life.
0: Yep, September 11th, 1992. Actually, want to hear a really fun fact about? Explains a lot about me. Apparently, September 12th in california is freddy krueger day
1: that explains a ton as well
0: yeah and that's my that's my birthday guys you're born so freddy sure to, krueger day. yep so be sure to spam me on my birthday give me lots of <laughs> loving love
1: <coughs> loving love in the form of freddy krueger yep yeah candy man i've never that. i actually didn't know it was a short story but i yes. did movie.
0: i believe the short story is called The Forbidden. It's a short story by Clive Barker. Okay. Clive Barker, who is... Yes, The Forbidden by Clive Barker, who's also the guy behind Hellraiser. The guy knows horror. He's incredible. That's awesome. And this, this movie not only is it you know made by clive barker but it's also starring as the Candyman, tony todd who is not only an incredible person human being i've met yeah. him he's incredible but he's also so good in this movie
1: he is seriously one of the scariest just villains of all yes. time in this movie.
0: he's got that just great like grating deep full of bass like demon voices oh God. Ugh. and he's like he's huge he's six foot he's taller than me and i'm a big guy Yeah. He's six foot five and just when he was walking with that fur coat with the with the hook for the first time.
1: Yeah. Just all any scene. And he's he's not really in a ton of the movie like he's no. he's got fleeting scenes here and there but he just makes such a presence on screen that he's just amazing
0: yeah i believe the first scene he's in is like halfway through and virginia madsen's character has basically disproven the candy because the whole movie is about urban legends yes including the one about the candy man which is you say candy in a mirror five times he appears behind you and kills you basically and she's like i'm gonna prove it wrong because i am you know Cool and stuff. So she goes to a like a projects area, like a poor black neighborhood where the Candyman is supposedly happens. And she finds a gang member, like a, a gang leader, I guess, co opting the identity of the Candyman. And when she exposes that, people are like, oh, I guess Candyman's not really real. And Candyman, I guess, operates by Tinkerbell rules and Freddy Krueger rules, I guess, if you want to call it that, where if you don't believe in him, he goes away. So.
1: I'm I'm sorry. Tinkerbell rules. I like
0: that. (laughs) Yeah. He operates by Tinkerbell rules where if you don't believe in Candyman, Candyman goes away. So he goes to Virginia Madison's character and is like, okay, I need a victim to prove to people that i still exist so i can still go on and kill more people so you're gonna be my new victim and that's the through line of the story and that first scene he first introduces and she's like hypnotized by him is just the most creepy beautiful yeah. thing ever and I also the that. theme of that movie is so good
1: oh it's brilliant
0: some of the theme as in like the actual musical theme like oh, you know yeah. how michael has like the halloween theme yes the one in Candyman is like the most underrated horror theme. I so like it's it. Just, yeah. It doesn't sound as scary as Michael's, but it's because the character itself also is a nuanced character yes. who came from tragedy and came from heartache. So yeah. the theme itself is like mysterious more than it is spooky. Yeah,
1: I agree. Also the thing I love about the that section you were talking about when he comes to her and says like, I need people to believe in me. So I'm going to fuck up your life. Basically the way that whole movie is formatted is brilliant because we're leading up to leading up to her dis- disproving it, disproving it, she disproves it. Okay, like at that point, it would almost be like, you know, the scene where she wakes up in the woman's apartment, and there's blood all over her, and Mm. she's killed the dog and the baby's missing. That's usually where like you have the protagonist wakes up and like, Oh, my God, I can't believe that dream just happened. But it's brilliant, because this entire time she's been on the right side of the law, because she's been helping them kind of hunt this thing down with the guy who threatens her and like the interrupt and stuff using the Candyman like persona. Um, and all of a sudden now she's not this trusted person anymore now she is the perpetuator of violence and it just spirals from there and it's just such a brilliant way to turn that trope on its head of the protagonist being innocent and like all this stuff but then like you kind of start to think like oh my god she might actually be crazy we might actually be watching this person go nuts in real time
0: yeah that was actually one of my big thoughts when i saw that movie the first time is Mm. when she wakes up and like in that house i was like okay when does she wake up and then she doesn't and it's real and i'm like that's that really happened like it was just like such a brain-breaking moment for me i'm like this movie movies go in places.
1: It's this movie's
0: taking us taking me somewhere and
1: it, and it does such a good job of just wrapping up I mean I know we're not going to be talking about candy around this entire time but <laughs> just wrapping up like social commentary and just like movie tropes and everything it does such a brilliant job of flipping everything on its head mm-hmm. even the very ending scene where the entire like you know neighborhood comes to her grave and they yes. throw the hook in there it's both they're thankful that she saved the kid and they're thankful for what she did for them but they're also like please go the fuck away Away, like <laughs> we even you, and we don't want you near us. Go the fuck away. So mm. yeah, that movie is just is brilliant. Now I'm gonna watch it. I'm right,
0: gonna come away from this podcast being like, I want to watch this movie, then I'll watch that one, that one, that one. That I one. know.
1: I've got the ritual like all queued up on Netflix, ready to go. So
0: <laughs> nice. Like <laughs>
1: we're done all right, here. Carrie. All right, number three, The Exorcist. I know this is probably a really obvious choice for a lot of people. I'll make it short because I'm sure it's been talked to death before. I just think, in general, I've read both the book and seen the movie. I love them both. And this is one of those rare cases where I think that the book and movie are equals. They do such a great job in the movie of capturing all of the, the ethereal horror of the book, as well as the plot. So... I will just leave it at that. The Exorcist, the movie, brilliant adaptation of the book.
0: Yeah, I don't have much to add to that. It's The Exorcist. It's one okay. of the top ten horror movies, probably of all time, without any caveats, without any top ten blank horror movies. It's just mm-hmm. top ten horror movies.
1: Top ten, so, like just even top ten movies. Like it's just so brilliantly yeah. made.
0: So it's like if there's a list that it applies for more specifically, then yeah, it's probably gonna be on the list yep. somewhere.
1: Agreed. What is yours?
0: my number three i'm bringing it back to stephen king Woo! with my favorite stephen king adaptation it is misery i have actually
1: never I... seen misery
0: never seen misery never oh seen my misery. god nope oh good misery the book i just recently read this past fall i believe and i read it in like a weekend which i know megan read it in one sitting but whatever
1: crazy she's crazy <laughs> she's crazy, <laughs> she's crazy.
0: I read in little bursts. So the fact that I read it in two days was pretty decent. Yeah. But it's only like 310 pages. It's one of the shortest Stephen King books. And I also feel like, as opposed to a lot of Stephen King books, it doesn't take any time to get going. There are some books like Salem's Lot, where the first 100 pages, I'm just like, get on with it, Stephen, please. Yeah, Cujo
1: is kind of like that.
0: Cujo's like that for Cujo's sure. like that, yeah. But Misery just picks off page one and it's like, here we go. That's excellent. And the movie, I mean, Kathy Bates, as Annie Willis just Praise. She's incredible. Anything
1: Kathy Bates does is brilliant. So
0: yeah, and she uh, received an Academy Award win, I believe, for that role. Really? She was fantastic, and to get it for a horror movie, for like a thriller, that's impressive. Yeah. James Kahn who's also in that movie, does a really good job. Even though like that was a role that like was offered to a bunch of big time Hollywood people, like Harrison Ford was offered it, a bunch of others, but none of them they all turn it down because the movie is not about them, and they realized it. Yeah. They're like, this is Annie Wilkes's movie, so I don't want be second fiddle to Andy willicks and she does she seals the show and there's also a couple added scenes to break away the tension where they have the the sheriff and his wife who's not in the book i don't believe like the sheriff's wife is the deputy and like she's you know kind of trying to be like kind of romantic with him they're like they're like an old couple but they're like a fun old couple okay but the sheriff is like nope when we're on duty you're not my wife you're my deputy and it's just they have a little funny relationship to distract you from the awfulness happening and with james conn as uh, paul sheldon and of course that movie about annie wilkes the biggest fan of the misery books that paul sheldon writes and then when he breaks his legs in a car accident and Annie saves him she finds the latest misery manuscript in his on his person when she's saving literally nursing him back to health reads it and finds out he's killed misery and loses all of her marbles about it And just, like, we're talking about people going crazy. She does a great job of being like, I'm a normal person. No, I'm absolutely not. Where she's just clearly crazy the whole time, but is just hiding it to the best of her abilities at that moment. Got it. It's so good. Yeah, it's one Megan, of the best thrillers I've ever seen, I think.
1: I have to watch it now because I've seen clips here and there. And Megan loves to like talk about it anytime we bring up Stephen King. And mm-hmm. she says just basically the book is phenomenal, but like the movie does such a good job too. Because
0: so. the book is such a great analogy of writing a book right that's what it is Annie Wilkes is the muse which Stephen King's actual life and on writing he basically more or less says Annie Wilkes is cocaine yes because I at the time he was on cocaine a lot he
1: was on all the drugs yeah. he
0: was on all the cocaine and he's like constantly losing limbs that's part of the sacrifice that goes into writing a book right and at the end one of the craziest things about the books at the end he's unsure even though that was a horrible experience he's like kind of upset that annie's dead because like i don't know if i'm ever gonna be able to write a book again without my muse
1: without the cocaine without the cocaine cocaine
0: yep so that i love that scene in the end where because at the end of the book he literally is like i don't know if i can write another book without my muse without annie and then he sees something on the street like he, he sees like a little boy with like a skunk i think it is and he's like i got it and he starts he's like he all he sees is like the wheels start turning for him he's like i think i can do it and that's where it ends and i'm like that was so great it was you do it an analogy you do it without the cocaine it <laughs> had a positive message <laughs> You can write without cocaine, guys.
1: Can you? Inspiring can message. You? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, that movie... Podcast
1: brought to you from Drugs in America. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, that book is great, and the movie is just fantastic. That scene where Danny Wilkes is, is talking about... Basically, she's talking about plot holes in fiction. is the greatest thing. He wow. didn't get out of the cock a car. Watch Misery. I will. Anyway, Carrie. Yes? Was your number two book-to-movie adaptations?
1: So... Shocking to exactly nobody. My number two is the It miniseries. Another Stephen King. Yay. Sorry. Everyone. <laughs> Yeah, again, I'm sure this has been talked to death. I'll keep it short and simple. I haven't seen the new movie yet. I was going to wait until the second part comes out so I can just mainline that shit. But love the miniseries, Tim Curry. That was my first actual like experience watching Tim Curry be Tim Curry on film before. And it really screwed up my perception of Nigel Thornberry for years. <laughs> um, it's seriously such a brilliant movie. And again, you know, nothing is ever going to be as good as the book for me in it, but it does such a brilliant job of getting like within a hair's length of being as good. So love the movie, love the miniseries, love the book.
0: I will say I'm a bit lukewarm on the miniseries. First of all, Tim Curry, my experience to him was Clue. Uh, Talking about credible movies. Yep. Clue is fantastic. Yep, that's that's but, a good experience um, to have. But I'm I'm very lukewarm on the miniseries because when I read the book for the first time, and I love mm-hmm. it, the book. Don't get me wrong. But I remember my first thought was, you can chop a thousand pages off this book and not notice it. Then I watched the miniseries, and I was like, never mind. I noticed. So you could still chop like maybe four to five hundred pages off that book, yeah, well, and well, not that's notice. Another-
1: That's another story that I feel like is so difficult to translate to film, especially since if you're thinking about like all of the small, tiny, like almost world building and relationship building conversations that happen in that book that just don't appear in the movie. Those are what gives the book, like the kids in particular, the the section with the kids, their believability. They make them three-dimensional and they just don't appear in the movie as strongly as you see them in the book. So definitely chopping those out, probably great for screenwriting and it definitely streamlines things but it makes it for a less like you know you don't have as much like of a lovey feeling for yeah. those kids as you do in the
0: movies i definitely think after seeing the miniseries and the movie i saw them like literally a day after each other because i was pre- i was in my it preparation where i finished the book one day watched the miniseries the next day and then watched the movie the day after kind of thing oh
1: wow so you really did yeah. just mainline that shit
0: i mainlined it <laughs> and i think the movie is better than the miniseries at least the first part i'm gonna I have to do the is. same thing
1: when when the second part comes out i'm gonna to watch them both back to back, then watch the miniseries and then read the book again. Because the
0: other problem, too, with the both the book and the miniseries is the kids are the best part of both. Yeah. They're the best part. The adults well, don't right, have nearly as much.
1: They don't have as much. Yeah. There's like a scene here or there that's like really good, but for the most part, the kids are the best part.
0: Right. So then when you watch the movie and it's just the kids, like, this is great. Yeah. This is like all killer, no filler kind of thing. And then we're going to get all the adult part.
1: No
0: <laughs> And this is going to be like, well, here's the filler. I found it.
1: Yeah. I am worried about that. But that's why I'm going to wait nope. until apparently when the movie comes out and like they release both DVD, they've already said they want to do it like basically the way the book is like going yes. back and forth. So
0: I've heard that and I want that and I'm excited for that.
1: Yeah. I think we talked about this previously and I mentioned yes. it kinda reminds me of the way that Watchmen should have been filmed. So
0: yes, I'm excited for that concept. Ooh. Ditto. For sure. All right. So
1: that is my number two. What is your number two? Your
0: number two. My number two pick is also a tie, because I also cheat. We condone cheating on the professional horror podcast.
1: Absolutely. It's not
0: on your significant other or on anything really important.
1: Just when it comes to talking about movies and books. But when
0: things that don't matter, cheat all you want. (laughs) My number two pick are two Hitchcock films, Psycho and The Birds. The Birds is actually based on a novelette by Daphne du Maurier. Du Maurier? Du Maurier? I don't know. more she
1: yeah, wrote Demore. Rebecca as well, which is another Hitchcock film hey. I am in love
0: with. With Tippi Hedren is in that movie. She's great in that movie. And that's a movie that I watched on like cable growing up like all the time. Like I remember watching that one scene. This is funny, Carrie, cuz you've read stuff that I've written and you'll know exactly how this has inspired me. But that one scene where the guy is on the ground without both of his eyes are missing and I was like, this is so cool. What is this?
1: I can see how that inspired child Chris to write the things that you write now.
0: <laughs> exactly. There's, see, there's some method behind my madness, I guess. It's
1: like a linear pathway. Yep. I can see straight through now. Yep.
0: But I remember seeing that scene being like, this is so cool. Holy crap. And the, the whole stuff with the birds it's one of those things where you know i kind of got to take points away from the birds because it inspired birdemic but you know good with the bad and all that
1: yes when it comes to the birds for me again i love i like the movie but i consider it a separate entity entirely from the short story the the novelette just because yep. there's literally only one element that is similar between the two. And it is just that birds attack people. That's it. The Lavalette yep. actually takes place in a seaside town in England right after World War II. It's about this one farmer trying to protect his family from the birds. And yep. at the ending is pretty much you find out there are aerial attacks all over England. And they're isolated. And they come and go with the tide. And basically he's kind of preparing for the long haul that like this is another war I'm entering so he's preparing to go to war against the birds and it's such a great ending. Yeah. So I would the movie, I, I take just, away from that.
0: Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, I have not read the novelette, but I just the movie is just such a thing from my childhood that I just loved so much I yeah. had to put it on here.
1: No, legit. Is it is yeah. a great movie.
0: Yeah. And if your movie's being adapted by Hitchcock, you're probably gonna have a good time. Yeah. You
1: know? I mean, again, like I said, another Daphne de Maurier book that was adapted by Hitchcock into a fantastic movie is Rebecca. And that is a brilliant adaptation, but I wouldn't consider it horror. It's right. just it's more of a psychological thing. But yeah, well, that's, that's
0: Hitchcock's game.
1: Yeah, it is Hitchcock. And
0: the other part of my number two pick is Psycho, based on a novel written by Joseph Stefano. And you know what can I say about Psycho? Psycho is literally one of the best horror movies of all time, or best movies yeah. of all time.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like The Exorcist. It falls into any great movie list.
0: Yeah, it's Hitchcock at his best. It's Norman Bates, Anthony Perkins, Janet Leigh oh my god it's just it's perfect and it inspired almost all of the horror that came after it without psycho there's no halloween With yep. no halloween there's no friday the 13th without both of those there's no nightmare on elm street without those four movies there's like what do we have left it's just yeah. such a touchstone movie that's like you said great no matter what top 10 we're doing if we're doing top 10 movies it belongs there
1: yeah it's great the Two movies i watched the most in film classes when i was going to college were citizen kane And psycho and so those are the two movies that i feel like i've broken down every single scene so many times (laughs) like here's the mise-en-scene here is like what's happening in this scene and it's you know definitely telling that both black and white movies that there's just so much to talk about that has nothing to do with color in those
0: films but and and still the uh, cinematography and just the look of the movie is just so perfect
1: it's iconic it really is Plus, I mean, the first time there was ever a toilet on scene.
0: Yeah. And yeah. that scene where, that shower scene where you just use chocolate syrup as blood, it's perfect. It's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it uh, did inspire uh, the awful Vince Vaughn shot for shot remake.
1: Yeah. I don't like to acknowledge. I don't know why that even happened. Who thought no.
0: that was- who, who does a shot-for-shot shot remake? It's pointless.
1: Exactly. If you're going to remake a movie, I, I won't get into it. Just like, why? Why? Yeah. And why Vince Vaughn? I
0: know. <laughs> Fun side note, actually. I watched Citizen Kane once at film school. Really? Uh, the it? second time... <laughs> the second time we watch it like freshman year and then in senior year someone tried to show us citizen kane and we all walked out because we're like we've seen it we know (laughs) we're just like we get it
1: it's citizen kane please don't make us watch it again
0: yeah citizen kane's movie where i acknowledge i tell people this all the time citizen kane's one of the best movies i'll never watch again exactly
1: that is is exactly how i feel about it i can acknowledge that it is one of the greatest movies of all time and i you know if i watch it again any time in my life it'll be too soon
0: yeah it's just i'm I'm done it's it's great it's fantastic Love it, but whatever. Anywho, back on actual movies that are cool,
1: that are fun. Yes,
0: that are cool. Carrie, what is your number one book to movie adaptation?
1: Ready? Are you prepared for this? I'm ready. All right, ready. Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. So I've read the book and I've watched the movie. I actually watched the movie first and then read the book. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, I'm actually really happy that happened. Just because usually when you watch the movie first and then read the book, you like read the book, you're like, oh my God, like why wasn't this in there? I wish this had been in there. Like I feel like I'm getting so much more information. That did happen with this book, but at the same time, they did such a brilliant job of getting all of the information from that book into the movie and capturing the feel of it, capturing everything that had to do with the plot into that movie that like I have no complaints both were tension filled and both were there was no wasted breath in either film or the book and I just feel like as far as adaptations go it's not only faithful to the plot it's faithful to the horror that is in the book brilliant all around there's really only one section in the book that I kind of wish they had included in the movie but I can understand why they didn't It was just this one section in the book that, you know, the main character's um, boss is talking to the head of a hospital who works giving, you know, transgender surgeries and stuff. And the doctor in the book over and over again keeps saying, please don't let this get out to the media that this guy is doing this because he's not a true transgender and these people have enough to fight against already. And Mm -hmm. this book was written in like, you know, the late 80s, early 90s. So That kind of translates, and then what did the movie do though? The movie that was made in 1991 it cut that scene out, so kind of exactly. So it kind of goes like that's the only scene I wish they had included because to me that kind of captures a lot about the theme of the book. It's not supposed to be about this evil guy who makes women's suits, but that's kind of what the movie became about, yeah, yeah, but otherwise fantastic book and fantastic adaptation
0: from from the book yeah you can't go wrong with Silence of the lambs it's the one horror movie to ever win actually no no shape of shape of water technically now
1: technically,
0: yeah technically He's yeah now it's one of i don't know it's don't close know. enough I'll I'll take one for the team.
1: It's Guillermo del Toro. (laughs) Exactly.
0: I'll take one for the team. One of two horror movies to win Best Picture at the Academy Awards, if you count Shape of Water, which I am, because... You
1: know what? Let's do it. Guillermo del Toro deserves it.
0: Exactly. We're taking it for the team.
1: And again, another villain like Tony Todd, who is on screen for maybe a grand total of seven minutes. A little bit more than that. he steals the show. 10, 15 minutes, and he steals the whole show. So brilliant. He's
0: fantastic.
1: Oh, he's so great.
0: It's beyond it's just a great movie brilliant and the sequels but
1: we don't talk about those red dragons all all right it's all right i will say going off of the vein we're talking about with musicals before there is a musical and it is hilarious
0: yes silence the musical they the people behind that run the youtube channel i think it's like lego lamb or something like that and they also do they also do several musicals like just three minutes one song of like all these different action movies they do predator the musical which is the greatest thing ever like um, aliens the musical rocky Four the musical
1: I need to go see this now. Yes, I have like a list of movies now that I have to go see and a YouTube channel. Got <laughs> a
0: YouTube channel. They're so fun. Yeah. I, there's Die Hard, The musical is sung by um, the guy because like, the guy does impressions of all the actors. So he does an Alan Rickman impression and Schwarzenegger, Stallone, all those guys great fantastic all right what's your number one i would like to throw in a caveat here okay this number one is only number one because the haunted mask episode of goosebumps is technically a movie to tv show adaptation and not a book to movie adaptation because the haunted mask episode of goosebumps is the best thing ever (laughs) and if you disagree you're wrong it's fine it's okay to be wrong
1: it's okay to be
0: wrong we can't all be right all the time but no, the Haunted Mask episode of Goosebumps is the best thing ever. That's just facts. It's the best adaptation. It takes full scenes, tightens it up, makes it better. It's terrifying. Even for a kid show, it's great. Watch it, read it, love it. We'll buy the that. mask, Got buy it. the mask like I have. <laughs> it's the best adaptation. It takes full scenes, tightens it up, makes it better. It's terrifying. Even for a kid show, it's great. Watch it, read it, love it. We'll buy the that. mask, Got buy it. the mask like I have. <laughs>
1: All right. So, what is your actual number
0: one? (laughs) My actual number one book to movie adaptation is Jaws, written by Peter Benchley and directed by Steven Spielberg. I've read the novel. Novel's good. Don't get me wrong. But it's not the movie, which is literally everything you want in a movie, Mm -hmm. for me at least. I have childhood attachment to it. I watch it all the time growing up. Super quotable. Robert Shaw's Quint, Richard Dreyfus's Hooper. They're back and forths. Amazing. The Indianapolis 500 speech with Quint. Pristine. Roy Scheider as the just drunkest man ever yes. is great. Everything about that movie is beautiful and the practical effects of Bruce the Shark, oh, who wouldn't who so wouldn't like coexist with the rest of the movie and <laughs> kept sinking. Just, <laughs> is great yeah. it's a creature feature which is i, I love creature features mm-hmm. It's probably the best it's another one of those movies where forget top 10 horror forget top 10 book to movie top 10 movies yeah it's there it's great
1: easily it's right up there it's based on a true it's story so, of blood yeah. things that happened in new jersey so you know home field advantage for me there yeah uh, and it takes place <laughs> in
0: new england home field advantage for me too
1: oh oh and it gave us a great song to sing while we're walking home from the bar every night. So, you know, I can just screech, always show me the way to go home.
0: Anytime I'm drunk. So I'm sorry, I don't want to go to bed. Yeah. And also farewell and adieu to you old Spanish ladies. Yes. What a what a sea shanty. What a great what one. A
1: sea shanty.
0: The book is is good. Don't get me wrong. Like I said, the thing about the book is a lot of books, movie adaptations, like Pet Cemetery, for example, takes everything from the book and condenses each part. Jaws basically takes two plot lines and says, don't need it. Don't need it. it. There's a whole subplot where the mafia is involved with like the mayor's decision to not close the beaches. Don't need that. Just have the mayor be a jerk. We'll get it. Right. There's also a subplot where Hooper and Chief Brody's wife have an affair. Don't need it. Doesn't add to the story, really. Nope. And I don't know. Richard Dreyfuss is too likable in that role to be cheating on, no, cheating with Brody's wife.
1: That's actually awesome because I've I've never read the book. I kind of want to now. But at the same time, I almost feel like I don't need to because the movie sounds far superior.
0: It is. It is. It's a lot of the stuff you like (laughs) is still there Mm -hmm. in the book. And I'll give Peter Benchley this Undying credit Because I do really enjoy What he's done Is after Jaws He's felt so bad About what he's done As far as to the shark community Yeah That he's come out With so many books Being like Guys Sharks are cool Don't be afraid And don't kill them They're awesome And I love sharks Sharks are like My favorite thing
1: Uh, My favorite animal Was Growing up Shark week to me Was like A national holiday Mm. That was Oh my god Sharks are amazing And this also came After I had watched Jaws for the first time So of course sharks were terrifying But we had the advantage of being teenagers When I first saw jaws, and then got to enjoy Shark Week so I was like okay they cancel Each other out I am not As terrified of sharks as I'm sure people in the 70s were.
0: I love sharks to death. I've watched so many shark movies. Growing up, me like everyone else in your middle school class wanted to be a marine biologist so I could study sharks. that was that was the middle school. What are you going to be when you grow up? Answer. Yep. Was marine biologist, and I was one of those people.
1: Yeah, we actually had a school that was like a I forget what it was called, like a track school almost, Mm -hmm. where you would leave regular public school and just go be a marine biologist like that was what this school was and i really got close to going it was called mates and I got, like, this far away from being, like, from oh. public high school. I should have just gone and been a marine biologist, film reviewer, whatever. Yep.
0: Whatever. <laughs> what? I remember I went on a shark watch. It was, like, a whale watch boat trip for sharks, yeah. obviously. And uh, my mom would always say, oh, that's why you shouldn't have been a marine biologist because you got seasick a lot there. And I'm like, do you remember that day? The marine biologist on board got seasick. Yeah. There were like ten foot wakes we were dealing with, and all we saw was a dogfish. It was the awesome worst that. experience of all time.
1: Uh, yeah, I grew up like you know, I grew up on Long Beach Island, New Jersey, and yeah. like I was out in like sort of like shallow water a lot. But like the one time I went deep sea fishing, I spent yeah. the entire time with my head over a bucket. It is a miserable experience. Doesn't mean that I hate sharks or sea life. Right. They're amazing. Sharks. I want to cool. go
0: in a shark cage. That's like a that's a life goal to go to South Africa and. To go shark caging.
1: I own list. the shark cage when I was in Hawaii recently, and it was like the only reason we didn't do it was because like the the dates didn't line up with our vacation. But like I would do that in a heartbeat. That sounds amazing.
0: there's the aquarium in Jersey called the Adventure Aquarium?
1: Yes, I've been there.
0: And, uh, you can yeah. Pet. And when I went there, when I went there, they had a thing where you we were like swim with the sharks, and I literally walked in. I'm like, where who's letting me into the shark tank right now? And then there was <laughs> no one there, the and I'm like,
1: tank.
0: <laughs> and uh, there was no one there, and I'm like, but. I want to. There's, there were like hammerheads and like sand tiger sharks, and I'm like, come on, let me go swim with the sharks. Let's swim
1: with them. Be yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Sharks are, sharks the, best.
0: are the best, and yes. this movie is it's just so cool. It's so fun. There it's are so many. Funny. Things, yeah, it's scary.
1: It's got everything. There are so many. It's things has Say about Jaws. And the fact that, you know, as terrible as it is that it had this effect on, you know, people killing sharks outright and like depleting their population so much. The fact that it scared people that much says a lot about the film and what it accomplished. So,
0: A fun little last anecdote about Jaws is there was one time I saw there was a local, not local, it was like in South County, Rhode Island, which is like 45 to 50 minutes away from where I am. Mm -hmm. They were holding an event where they were screening Jaws On the beach they had like an inflatable screen you'd come down bring your beach chair and watch jaws at night on the beach and they started the movie an hour early and i got there an hour late so i saw the credits no i literally saw it just like hooper and chief brody paddling to shore and no. then credit throw and i was like i missed my chance
1: that's the worst I see back, i'm i trying to remember where it was there was a place somewhere on the jersey shore not in our town but somewhere else it might have been seaside a few years ago i say a few years ago it's probably like a decade ago at this point yeah where they had the, the bay blocked off It was like a bar on the bay they had it blocked off they had it like a giant screen and it was in the summer So you could sit in the water in tubes, in inflatable tubes, and watch Jaws while you're in the bay. And I'm like, that's horrifying, and I would never do it because I would, I would be out of the water so
0: fast. I said this when I had Sean on the podcast. You know Sean, yeah, because he put that as his favorite horror movie of all time, Jaws, and I can't blame him for that. I I said that's one my that's one of my bucket list things is to watch Jaws on an inner tube in the ocean and he was like you know they probably hire someone to like fuck around with you and i'm like i don't care it's part of the experience
1: yeah i was too young to go because it was at a bar but at the same time i have a feeling i'm sure there was somebody swimming around and it's the bay so it's not that deep but there's probably someone swimming around with a little snorkel or like scuba kit kit just walking around grabbing feet at the opportune moment like that's what you got to do
0: or had like the fin on their back or whatever and swimming or whatever oh Oh, man i would be all about that oh yeah the water I'd be you know, all Jersey, about that.
1: You'd be able to tell. you be like, "Yeah, okay, that's probably a real shark." Be like,
0: "Oh no, it's a shark!" Me, I'd be the one who dives in and be like, "I'm gonna pet it."
1: I'm gonna pet it, Pure <laughs> oh,
0: Good, he's a good boy shark.
1: <laughs> but yeah, no jaws. Uh, I can. I kind of want to read yeah. the book but at the same time.
0: Yeah, out of all the books horror. that I've listed. I would say Jaws. It's like okay, if you get around to it, read it, but yeah. don't push it to the top of your book list. It's 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 good, I
1: mean, that's, but it's not the movie. Yeah, it's hard to like say out of all the books we've talked about and movies during this conversation, it's hard to say which one is like the best book. It's hard. I don't know because The Exorcist is brilliant as a book and a movie.
0: As a movie, out of the five I have said, I would say watch Jaws because of of course because that's the yeah. one but out of the books i probably say misery only because yeah. it's the one book that like beginning to end of my list at least that's like perfect i
1: think it might be ritual of-
0: half and half
1: yeah, yeah. signs of the lambs as far as like book to movie i think i think that's the best one
0: you can't go that's wrong cool. with those nope. get some really awesome picks
1: there you go everyone just figured out your weekend plans for you go yep. read, watch
0: books. all these movies read all these books Do and all the things do all the things. I'm going to read the new Goosebumps book that came out like in February. I haven't gotten around to it yet. Actually, me. I'm reading a book right now called Are You Sleeping. It's like a true crime podcast people like uncover some actual murder mystery.
1: That sounds awesome.
0: Actually, you might be interested in this. I read this book called The Chalkman recently. Okay. Psychological thriller type book. It's like grounded in the real world.
1: You have my attention.
0: But it is so inspired by Stephen King stuff, it's not even funny. Honestly, that's The Chalkman.
1: Oh, The Chalkman. Okay.
0: The Chalkman. It's honestly the one downside is how much it's like Stephen King stuff without being Stephen King. because. For example, group of kids with people being murdered in town, both in the present day and thirty years later. we right? so
1: we're rounding up from twenty seven years then.
0: Yes, rounding up the the main character as an adult is an alcoholic English teacher. <laughs> um, the chalk man, who's the teacher, the English teacher from thirty years ago, his name is Mr. Halloran. Oh no! And there are two scenes where. Someone who had recently died pays the main character a visit and actually brings them on a journey when they think they're asleep to some like burying, so, like into the woods, a very pet cemetery. So
1: they literally, whoever this author is, they literally just cobbled together aspects of Stephen King novels. Correct. Okay.
0: But what's funny is when it does stuff originally, it's really good. I might have and to- it's, only, it's only 280 pages. So you can breeze through that in no time. Yeah, that's And short. it was just like, it was really good but i'm like it would be i th- i would like it so much more to have a better opinion of it if it wasn't so stephen king
1: yeah,
0: but I might not also like it if it wasn't so Stephen King because I love Stephen King. Who does that weird, it's that weird dichotomy thing.
1: Damned if you do, the Stephen Damned King. If you don't. Damned if
0: you don't, do the Stephen King. Damned if you don't, Stephen King. Damn it, Stephen King. Damn it, damn it. All right, so since I didn't do this last time, we're gonna do it this time. All right, guys. So that's gonna do it for this list episode, the top ten book to movie adaptations of horror Ooh. from myself and Carrie. Yeah. If you would like to suggest. Future episodes, or just want to talk, you know, say hey to the podcast or whatever, email me at professionalhorror at gmail.com or follow me on Instagram at professionalhorror because I post horror stuff and also just like random stuff. I like Instagram. Pictures are fun. <laughs>
1: Pictures are fun.
0: Pictures are fun. Yep, sometimes, sometimes it'll be horror stuff, other times it would be like, dude, I found this rock and it was pretty cool. <laughs> So, you know, if you're into that kind of stuff, follow me on Instagram. Also, make sure to rate the podcast five stars, pretty please. And leave a review because the more reviews and ratings we get, the higher the podcast goes, more people listen to the podcast, gets even higher, blah, blah, blah. Win time for me. and you. All the wins. Because then more people listen to the podcast, there's more interest, more episodes. It's all a good time, man. I just did the most like stoner bro, like outro. Alright guys, so that was our episode. Carrie will maybe we're gonna have you on the show soon enough. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe
1: Talking we're about a
0: certain know. movie. I don't a know. A what certain happens. movie
1: that, you know, I've I've never talked about to you. No, I've before, I've
0: ever. never mentioned this movie on this podcast like every episode. I don't Definitely live not.
1: and die for this movie, so it's
0: not, it's not one of the best horror movies of all time or anything
1: ever yeah. <laughs> made of all time.
0: But yeah, well, maybe we'll have you on the show at some point, Carrie. <laughs>
1: Sounds
0: good, Chris. (laughs) All right, guys. And make sure you guys check into the episode that Carrie's probably maybe going to be on. Who knows? Science in the future. That was really stupid of me.
1: Real science talk.
0: True science fact with Chris Donovan. All right, guys. That's going to do it for this episode. So until next time, stay scary, but keep it professional.